0: Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan here, as always, joined, as always, by Nick Sutherland from MindFit. Nico, how are you doing, mate? Yes, I am alive and very, very well. Thank you. Looking like you're at MindFit HQ there, mate, in the meditation MindFit space. MindFit
1: HQ, in the meditation space. Yes. So we've got um, got these cool things behind me. So wow. they're gonna. It's gonna go. Up, it's gonna go up on the wall.
0: When's that gonna get stolen? <laughs>
1: wow! <laughs> Just went straight there, didn't you? Sorry, Just went dude. straight there. <laughs> Sorry. Went, went. Went straight there That's okay Because I'm not still in suffering So it didn't trigger me
0: <laughs> No, it looks nice Very it was, nice it was,
1: actually very, it was actually very funny Well played um, we well,
0: once, a, once again though The person that laughs at my jokes the most is me <laughs> oh, Totally Oh, and
1: for listeners Hass just told a really funny story He just kicked the bloke in the dick And it was just It was finally a really good Hass story It was only like five to seven minutes It was you know, straight to the point I was engaged, I was present for it, I laughed, and but we hadn't pressed records. So, yeah, Nick's um, like, you
0: should have pressed record as the first good story you've told. And I'm like, you know, the feedback we've had of my stories has been just overwhelming. You can't
1: keep, you can't keep creating all these email accounts. You're like a... I've had, to hire, scam I've, had, I've had to
0: hire a VA just to go through all the feedback <laughs> from my stories.
1: You've had to hire a VA to keep creating fake email accounts to send... <laughs> <yourself>. <laughs> Feedback.
0: Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how narcissistic you'd have to be for me, for me to read an email that I sent myself and feel good about it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> for you to, to sit down and create an email and then send it to yourself and no. then read it and then feel good about it. <laughs> hey, guess what I'm doing tonight? What are you doing tonight? I'm having some ramen for dinner. And it took me back, man. It took me back to early days of being sponsored by, or well, not sponsored, but but um, imagining being sponsored by adjacent Ramen.
0: Yeah, our, our pre, our routine was a, a pre-podcast ramen over the road from uh, the Center for Healing HQ at Southland yeah, Shopping Centre.
1: Southland Shopping Centre food court. So, Ram and tonight. Well, what are you going to go for? Yeah. Which one do you think? I think I'm going to go stock, man. I'm just going to go straight up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just, just for old time's sake. But it's, it's going to, it's going
0: to take me back. Yeah. No, mate. You'll have memories flooding back. I know. You know.
1: It's, uh, um, when we used to get the hot chocolate and walk back to the centre for healing. You'd have the coffee. Sometimes there'd be banana cake involved, and then we'd. Remember, we'd take the photos for the, for the podcast graphic. Yeah. There's ones of me riding your back like a horse. There was, there was some, geez. And it was always first take too. It was always, always first
0: take. Always first take. And we'd have a guest on and we'd try and do it. And the guest would always be like, <laughs> this, is, this is so stupid. You guys are idiots. And we're like, yeah, it's the point.
1: <laughs> just down there, like you actually want me to be involved. You want me to get down on all fours.
0: And- I've got the picture. I've got a picture of yeah, one. I think where that's right. Amanda, um, yeah. the the Olympian horse rider. I think you might have been riding my back, and I just remember her in the photo sitting there looking at us like these two are absolute dickheads.
1: <laughs> yes, grasshopper. She uh, she's coming in tomorrow, I think, for a maintenance session.
0: Oh, say, say uh, hi from me.
1: I shall do. So, yes, uh, Addison, not Addison, but we're we going, for, going for some ramen tonight, which
0: will be great. That'll be beautiful. Before we jump into today's topic, let's everyone just give Nick a bit of golf validation, because before we press record, Nico went out. How long since you've had a hit of golf? Since we, since we won the uh, Ambrose down at the Foster Golf Club in Gippsland? How long ago was that?
1: It was the Foster Golf Club. That was the end of 2019. Yeah, yeah, end of 2019.
0: End of 2019. So it's been over a year since yeah. the sticks have come out. And Nico, what did you shoot mm-hmm. yesterday?
1: Well, it's a, it's a past 70 golf course for listeners who aren't uh, up to speed with the golf um, parlay terminology. It's a um, usual golf course a past 72. They can be 73. That means it, take, it, it ideally would take you 72 shots, 72 hits of the ball to get around the course. Uh, the golf course out the back of my new place down in McRae is a par seventy. That's um, on the side of the hill. Great little track. Uh, so I went, I went around in a lazy seventy-four shots.
0: So I was four over par. Yeah, which uh, is first which is first time out. Was, a bloody good round of golf, Nico. Yeah. Well,
1: so, yeah. My, my handicap for the day was seven, so um, technically, um, I was allowed to to get around in seventy-seven shots. But um, I came around three shots under, under par for my yeah. handicap for the day. So, it. yeah, it was, but it was just great to be back out there. I mean, the score was a bonus. Um, playing with my brother-in-law, he, he's always good fun to play with. Uh, he's a good player. But, uh, yeah, it's just, just nice to be out there chipping it around.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I was saying to you before we pressed record that I, I sort of do the same thing. When I don't play for ages and then have that first round, I seem to play my best golf because I think I don't have these expectations of what I should shoot. I'm just happy to be out there and, and not thinking too much. And I remember I had a round, I would played for ages and I had this round with my mate Drew and we played with just another random fella um, who was there on the day at uh, Albert Park in the city. and oh. um, <laughs> And yeah, I shot. I shot a seventy six, which is like my uh, my best mm. score ever, you know. Mm. And like, and I was I wasn't even scoring. Drew was scoring, but I wasn't even sort of keeping up to date. And I remember I was I was about uh, five over after the first five holes or something i'm like oh here we go another standard round for me and then went one under for the rest of the the round and um just once again that not thinking and you know but then i remember i played about a week or two later and then we have all these expectations and everything come up and then you know shoot a 86 or something you know
1: Yeah. as soon as you start analyzing your swing and you're thinking oh where's this arm meant to be or or why didn't i do that so you, you, you go on as soon as you start make it too much of a conscious process you're um you're not going to do too well
0: yeah yeah so a lot of mental instability on a golf course and that's today's topic is how to be mentally stable so we've got a, a a few dot points on on how we can help people be mentally stable how you listening can start to bring some more mental stability into your life you know 2020 was a very unstable time externally in the world and 2021's kind of starting off a bit the same but um it was funny how everyone thought like as soon as it ticked over for like january uh december 31st or january 1st just magically because a new, new year was starting everything would be okay um But we're going to talk about mental stability today, how to create that inner environment, which is a much more stable place to be, which is what we're all, um, a lot of people are striving for in this day and age. So we've got some dot points here that Nico's written out, and we'll we'll go back and forth with each, and um, hopefully you can take something away from it, and after listening to this show, bring a bit more mental stability into your life.
1: I think it's, it's important to preface this by saying that all of us are doing the best that we can. With with what we have, yeah. So so, let's not go into binary thinking and anyone's doing anything right or wrong or good or bad or bad or anything. It's just yeah, we're all, we're all doing the best with what we have. Um, we all have the capacity to learn and improve, like anything though. You know, we can we can always be better. We can always get better. Um, but getting better doesn't mean that we're bad now. So, um, but a lot of people are also walking around with an expectation that they should just be automatically happy and that that um, you know, I, I should just be feeling good all the time. And I, I ask every client, what's the defini- definition of happiness? And they always sit there and in here, the tumbleweed sort of blows through the office and crickets in the background. And it's like, Oh, I don't know. It's just, when everything goes my way and I always get what I want and people like <laughs> it. And I'm like, Oh, the three amigos. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they, <laughs> there little, they
0: are.
1: <laughs> I need a little Mexican button. Dun, 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 dun. We'll put your Mexican uh,
0: sombrero on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to today just to sort of talk about, yeah, what what are some things that we need to be mindful of in order to create. And by mentally stable, once again, that's also emotionally stable too. Mm-hmm. So, Ideally, our emotional state would be relatively calm and composed most of the time. We're not heightened. We're not in our emotions. We're we're not triggered um, and and, in a reactive state where we're more present and mindful and and responsive and choosing most of the time how we think and feel and behave. So that's the work that we're focused on in here. Um, So I thought we'd bring a bit of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, then we've
0: we've used the analogy before that you know if we look at our mental and emotional health as that garden out the back that we haven't been paying attention to and it's a bit overgrown. Um, you know, these are some tips or some takeaways that we can use that are, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, we can start to do a little bit of weeding in that garden and get it looking nice and nice and tended to. Well, yeah, need
1: to know what tools you need to keep that garden in shape as well.
0: Yes. So the first top point is uh, getting out of our comfort zone and you've got in brackets here, mm-hmm. our, our needs versus our wants. So let's, let's talk a little bit, Nico, about our comfort zone.
1: Yeah, well, we have uh, basic human needs. I, I like to use the work of Dr. William Glasser um, and his, his basic human needs in the work that he does in choice theory and reality therapy. Um, and so a lot of the time people are just doing what they want I want to do this I'm going to do that and I want to sleep in you know because I think I'm tired where what we actually need to do is to get up and go to the gym if we have that planned or um yeah I just want to eat that cake and then okay that's good you might enjoy, it, but then you go. Oh, well, I just want to finish all of it. I may as well. What we need to do is to pull up and push it away and save it for another day. So, this concept of needs versus wants. I think we need to get out of our comfort zone a little bit more, and that's that's really where our growth lies. Um, have you heard? You've heard the expression? I, I think has that you know. Uh, well, there's a couple of comfort zones, a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Uh, but the, the one we use a lot is a ship is safe in harbour, but that's not what ships are built for. They're meant to be out there in the, in the out waves. Out there on the ocean, man. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of people, you know, they're rather, their metaphoric ship is tied to the dock and just gathering barnacles. Um, and I'll just go and sit on the ship and oh this is nice and have a cup of tea and a martini out
0: on the deck and Then okay. step back onto right. the jetty and, and off they go Yeah, exactly and
1: go, and go back into the, the you know, and the harbor is the comfort zone some people will start sailing around the harbor and oh I'm gonna do it this time i'm gonna'm'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out the heads no 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 I'll do it next time so do another life or oh, I'm gonna do it this time no 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 no. I'll stay in here because you know they come against the edgy comfort zone yeah and it,
0: it, it is it, it is challenging. Yeah. Well, that's what we're we're afraid of the edges, you know. And I think that mm-hmm. our you said nothing grows in that comfort zone. I would say that the the, the longer we're in our comfort zone, the more that comfort zone shrinks.
1: <clears throat> well, I'd call. I, so we we use the term like a comfort slob as well. Yeah? Yes. And, yeah. I heard
0: you use that one.
1: Yep. Yeah. And so I I was a comfort slob. I was I was a person who, you know not only didn't leave the safety of the harbour, but just neglected my metaphoric boat as my metaphoric ship. And I was just a comfort slobber. I was just all tucked up. But it was the anxiety that I was creating through my imagination being out of control that was creating all the reasons why I couldn't go and do this. So a head or a belief system filled with limiting beliefs.
0: Yep, yep. Because we don't... Which- well- when we touch those edges, we feel uncomfortable, we feel anxious. And so if we keep retreating from those, I think the boundaries become smaller. It's like a, um, a dog. Like they've got these things now, you know, instead of like I have a, uh, a property and there's a fence I put around to keep my dog in instead of a physical fence, you can just bury these little wires under the ground and the dog wears a little collar. And as soon as it hits that, the boundary, it gets a little, a little shock. So it's like, oh, you know, yeah. barks and then moves back in. So it's it's confined in this space. There's no physical barrier stopping it from leaving that space, but it's confined there because as soon as it gets to the edges, it feels an uncomfortability, right? And so now- yeah, It feels
1: pain. And, and, and as, as animals, we, we don't like experiencing pain. No.
0: We would have an aversion um, it's, it's, a, it's, a ver-
1: it's a very inelegant way of training a dog.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Put the time and energy into
0: it. Absolutely. But you know, if the dog started to push up against that edge just slightly and slightly and realized that it was getting a little shock and it wasn't going to get, you know, permanently damaged, it might start to get used to that feeling of uncomfortability and it might actually get to a point where it just runs free of those boundaries and is free to go where it wants. You now that the 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 comfort zone edges that we have as human beings, once again, they're not they're not physical. Like unless we're in jail and we're confined to a physical cell, most people are confined to these um, imaginary cells. That, that are created by our mind, but like what you said, these limiting beliefs and this um, not willing to feel uncomfortable. You know, it's like maybe you you deeply want to give a talk on a subject that you're very passionate about, but you're just that, that uncomfortability and an anxiety of speaking in front of people is too much, so you don't do it. So you kind of deny yourself expression, and then what happens? Then I think that's when this comfort zone starts to get you know smaller and smaller, which which really at the end of the day, I think just means we get to experience less of life when we're kind of here, I think, to experience all the gamuts of life. I completely agree. Done. Okay, that's that (laughs) (laughs) topic.
1: It it reminds me of a a picture I saw of an elephant tied to a plastic chair. It was a cartoon. It wasn't an actual elephant. Um, But it had been raised being tied to a peg in the ground, so it couldn't leave. And it had been so conditioned that all I had to do was tie the rope to something and in this case a plastic chair so this massive strong physically strong elephant was unover- and this was exactly what i had i couldn't leave my house i couldn't open my door because my mind debilitated my body my body had the strength to turn the handle to pull the door open it's like the elephant had the strength just to turn and walk off and just be dragging this chair behind but um we didn't do it because yeah, our minds were conditioned to to the, for this to buy into what these anxieties were selling us.
0: Yeah. So I think the advice here for for you listeners is find out where your edges are. And then see how much time you can just spend at the edge. You don't have to dive way over the edge and put yourself into overwhelm, but just touch your edges. And the more you touch your edges and start to become comfortable there, then your edges start to expand. And all of a sudden your comfort zone um, will hopefully for you grow to a point where not too much, not too much can worry you. You know, it's like, oh, we need you to go and
1: you can still feel it, but you you feel you feel nervous instead of anxious. And you feel um, um you know, our, our motto at MindFit is discomfort precedes success. So when you find the edge of that comfort zone, it's really important to, to acknowledge it too, but then go into that constructive thinking and tell yourself why I can do this instead of why I can't do it. Your natural, your, your current mindset will be to try and convince yourself of why you can't do it, and that's designed to keep you safe. Uh, but there really is nothing to fear except that if you're operating off I must be liked and you're going to go out there and think that people are going to laugh at you or whatever, it's all in your head. It's all your imagination. So if you can reroute the, the thoughts that are coming in and create a different narrative in your head uh, and tell you, convince yourself of all the reasons why I can do this instead of why I can't, you know, that's where your growth is going to lie. But it's going to take leaning into that discomfort yeah. and being really present to, to observe those destructive thoughts and then to flip them into constructive thoughts.
0: Yeah. Yep, so true. I completely agree. And we kind of have comfort zones in different areas of our life. Like the edges will be different. So the edges mm. might be different in relationship compared to work, compared to social, compared to money. Um, you know, some people are so have so many limiting beliefs and everything around money that they don't even talk about it. It's so like they don't even sit down. It's like, oh, we should sit down and make a budget. It's like, no, I don't want to talk about money oh, because no. it's too That's uncomfortable scary, to even talk scary. about it. You know, and um, in a but relationship, in a relationship it could be even speaking up to express your needs and that's an edge of your comfort zone because that can be based on a number of things and so it's like am I willing to step in and express my needs this time because once you realize that if you do that you'll still be okay (laughs) if you talk about money you'll still be okay that's when we just we can start to expand these edges a little bit more
1: and it's funny when people do it and they come into the office a week later for the next session and they'll tell me an example of what they did and We'll, I'll, I'll stand up and say, come outside for me and I'll look up and I'll like, it doesn't look like we've been, hand, been hit by a meteorite. It's like the, the world didn't end just because you got out of your comfort zone. They have a laugh. And, like, yeah, no. and what we're laughing at is how irrational their mind was to try and keep them safe. And that's what anxiety is it was, it was spoken of. It's like a big bodyguard and its sole purpose is to keep you safe. Mm. But it can't differentiate the, between real or perceived and actual danger. Mm -hmm. so um that's where you need to step in and work with that part of you that is anxiety and go uh thanks for that i acknowledge you're trying to keep me safe but i got this
0: Yep. so true yeah it's it's a survival mechanism that's just uh out of whack and it's like this survival mechanism yeah it it doesn't know and even though we can consciously go there's like it's so easy for me to do this why can't i do it it's because the survival mechanism which is part of our like reptilian brain and our physiology yeah. is saying, no, no, this, this, this will lead to you um, being under threat or even dying in some situations. And that could be just speaking up in a relationship. And once again, sounds very irrational because it is. It's different parts of the, um, the brain yeah. um, opposed to each other. So uh, push those don't, edges.
1: Don't be a comfort slob and jump into your metaphorical ship and sail out of the harbour. And you just got to trust that you're going to manage whatever comes into your life. Like, so there's going to be days of smooth sailing, but there's going to be days when the storms roll in. Um, But you you are equipped, whether you think you are or not, when the time comes, you will do what is necessary to to make it through those storms. when, when life happens to all of us. So you got this guys.
0: You do. You got this. You just triggered a little memory I had. I remember years ago, and I was sitting here yeah, in the office and I must've been having similar thoughts to this. I think maybe I was going in for an interview at a radio station or something. I don't know. And I remember writing on a little, little notepad, like a little flip pad. And I just wrote, um, let me think, try and think of the exact wording, but it was something, it was just an affirmation of some description that mm-hmm. I was already thinking, but it was something like um, I, I've decided that no matter what situation I'm stepping into or whatever happens to me, I'm more than enough to handle that situation. And so then, yeah, I remember writing that down. And so then I I even walked into this. um, It was with uh, Fox FM, one of the probably the top radio station in Melbourne, and um, just felt completely calm because it's like I just doesn't matter. Like it's all enough. You 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 were
1: grounded within yourself. You weren't you weren't running off into all these distortions of what could happen or what could potentially happen or what you know what are they going to think of me and jump to conclusions. and worst case scenario, you walked in there. Yeah, with a liberated mind, free of those distortions, because of the mindfulness that you practice going in there, and the, the the self-management method that you used.
0: Yeah, and when we decide that, we're just we're just more present. You know, it's like getting you know, yeah. going on a first date, which a lot of people get a bit nervous about, and it's like, you know, if if you can decide that I'm just I'm more than enough as a human being in whatever situation, <laughs> I can go to a first date and I can be present with a person, as opposed to sitting there, skull and wines going, what do they think of me? What are they
1: thinking of me? <laughs> well, let's go and say they will or they won't like me, and that's all it needs to be. Yeah, and, and it takes all the pressure off suddenly, and you can actually the real you will be sitting there, not a not a heightened you that is is you know, monitoring every word that you're trying to say and in, in trying to make this person like you. The genuine and authentic you will be sitting there at dinner, and your chances of you know being liked will actually be increased because it'll be the real you.
0: Yeah. Because if you, that's you're that's, that's that's how we get you, <laughs> unless you're authentically a <laughs> That's the thing, though. If you you put on this facade as the 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 perfect man on this date, but then if you do start dating, you have to try and keep up this facade. Of being exactly, man. you've set the bar. To, good, you've set the bar too high.
1: <laughs> you've set the bar too high. Rookie mistake. Rookie mistake. <laughs> Go in low. Go in low, and just relax. Uh, uh, go in yourself, uh, but also, um, yeah, like you know, when I I went from um, not being able to leave my house to now working at you know what's been voted as the world's leading health resort in Thailand at Shiva Imagine all the mental barriers I had to break through to to get there, and you know that this is this is ten years down the track, yeah, so. Um, it doesn't have happen overnight. I had to, you know, I talk about the mental website. I had to start small with the, you know, 500 gram bicep girls mentally, uh, and work my way. So by the time Shiva song popped up in in, you know, my life, the, the the potential for it. I just, yeah, I just was like working with the universe. By that stage, I'll flip them an email, and they will or they won't, you know, invite me to come there, and I will or I won't have the right stuff to go and work at this resort and you know apparently I did so there I am and and, it's and that's
0: it and that's if you don't do those mental reps and get past that kind of shame-based identity then you don't you don't send that email you don't reach out because automatically you think like well I was you know for me like oh I was a bloody Junkie, drug addict. Like, why would I be able to do that? Or for you, like, oh, I had agoraphobia and couldn't leave my house. Like, why would they want me? And we run into this imposter syndrome or this shame-based identity, and we've got to break free of that because we're all
1: who am? Who am I to work there? Who am I to be this? Who am I to do? You're the perfect person. You're
0: I right? had I had this um, session with uh, our kinesiologist Heidi um, when we had the, the physical centre, and I remember it was so funny because I was uh, had doing just some speaking gigs and I had this, um, idea of like, you know, doing some more speaking, but I had this, we found out that I had this limit on how much I felt like I could charge. Like it was like, I don't know, like 500 or 600 bucks an hour to do a, to do a talk. And that was like this ceiling that I had Mm. subconsciously.
1: Mm. This is is my worth.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I couldn't like, if someone paid me more than that, that's, you know, you can't do that, you know, that's for an hour. That's too much. (laughs) And then, um, we we worked on that with a few different techniques that she did. And then she uh, while, while we were doing some technique and she was rubbing some points on my head and do, doing whatever magical stuff that she does. And she said, are they paying you for an hour or like, she goes, tell me how many books you've read or um, audios you've listened to or courses that you've done over the last however many years and I burst out laughing like I pissed myself because all of a sudden it just became so funny to me because like I thought about the, the fucking hundred books that I've read on mental health addiction and human behavior <laughs> the countless courses I've done all that kind of stuff and I thought it was hilarious
1: the, and the then- leaders of GHB that you've consumed yeah.
0: <laughs> and then and then literally like a month later I booked some speaking gig for about 1500 bucks for an hour and there was and there was no shame in there because I'm like you're not paying for an hour; you're paying for a bloody lifetime experience. That's, that's, so it's a, these blocks that we put on ourselves, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's like the story of the um, the company that you know, had this machine that was making all this produce and whatever, and the machine broke down, and they rang this technician. They said, "Oh, can you come out and fix it?" So, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, what's happening?" Blah blah. blah. But it's costing us, you know, hundred thousand bucks an hour, you know, in in, in production. production. Yeah, production. And he goes, all oh, right, I'll come out soon. And so he gets out there and he just walks behind the thing, pulls the cover off, pulls one switch out, puts another switch in, closes the thing, all good to go, walks off. Oh, thank you so much. Yep, starts starts running properly. Um, gets home and he invoices them for 10 grand. And the, the manager's like, what the fuck? Like you can't put in one switch, what the fuck? It Took you like, five minutes. Yeah. How much was it costing you to, to, for me to not have that switch in? And he said, "But you're not paying me for that five minutes. You're paying me for the years I studied engineering and the countless times I've had to figure all this out, blah blah blah." So
0: it's, it's. I think it's, yeah, I've heard that story. It was like you know, yeah, it was. If- the labour was this much for me doing it, but the 900 and whatever grand was for knowing which switch to pull out and put in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> paying me one. for my
1: knowledge, not for my time. And I'm, I'm the same with, you know, it was funny when I got out of my um, time for money exchange business um, method, I suppose, or model, um, and I started when I created the programs and I have worked with my clients, a couple of clients, to, to reach the price point for it. And yeah, I said, well, how much do I charge? Da, da, da. And they did the math based on their hourly rate that I used to charge. And they're like, well, it should be this. I'm like, okay, and what have you received? Uh, out of doing more work with me and they're like oh fuck sky's the limit you know I've got my business still my marriage is still intact I'm still seeing my kids I'm still alive et cetera et cetera I'm like alright so would you would you um, charge $700 for it or whatever the amount was and they're, they're like oh yeah that's a bit low isn't it <laughs> and I said so, yeah so working with them we reached this price point which we, we all thought was sort of fair and, and just out of people's comfort zone because you want that's where I want people to be before they even start working with me, um, but yeah, they're not paying me for the hour that they're sitting there with me. They're pay- paying for the time, the years I spent suffering and and then studying, and <laughs> they're paying for your, met-
0: your metanoia.
1: My metanoia, mate.
0: Oh, this is how much my uh, metanoia costs, mate. um okay let's move on because you spent like heaps long on that one but it's an important one out of your comfort zone it's very important um next one's exercise So mental stability and exercise, moving your physical body has a great effect on our mental and emotional health. There's many, many studies um, out that show that exercise is as or sometimes twice as effective as antidepressant drugs. Um, You know, a lot of pharmaceutical companies won't promote those studies (laughs) for obvious (laughs) reasons.
1: But in in that as well, they're 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 just changing the chemical storm that's in our brain. So they can actually mask the effects as well. So like you use medication that just numbs and masks all the feelings or changes the feelings. So too can um, take um, exercise because you're getting all these endorphins kicking in. Um, so, so a lot of clients, however, they actually use exercise as a coping mechanism. It's an unhealthy,
0: unhealthy exercise.
1: Yeah. So e- exercise, you know, getting out for a walk and going to the gym is good, but don't do it to make yourself feel better. Mm. Do, do it as part of, of your overall health and well-being regime or, or routine. But um, yeah, just, and- just everything in balance.
0: Yeah, yeah, be aware. Like with everything that, you know, me and Nick have spoken about many times, be aware about your relationship, not just with your relationship with booze or your relationship with friends or your relationship with exercise or any of these things because, you know, too, too much of anything is is not good. Um, but in regards, in terms of exercise, also just find out what you like because that looks different for everyone. You make it fun, yeah. So yeah.
1: you're doing Muay Thai and I went and played golf, so I walked 7Ks playing golf.
0: Uh, have have a hit of calories. tennis. Um go for skate. Go for a skate and wear
1: elbow pads and knee pads.
0: <laughs> Don't fall off your skateboard like Nico. Don't fall off
1: skateboard. <laughs> um go scuba diving. Yeah, you know, that's still exercise. Uh, exercise is great. Um, because it's, it can be a very meditative experience for people like you get in the zone or you're just so focused on what you're doing your mind's not running off into what am i having for dinner tonight or you're actually very present when you're when you're exercising so yeah
0: yeah and this also ties into the the kind of comfort slob bit as well because our you know our, our bodies have evolved to move to a certain extent, you know, we've we've evolved this utility to that they want to move and want to be stressed, whether that's you know um, resistance-wise or cardiovascular-wise. They like stress in small doses, and you know that's what that's what exercise is. So, well, I think
1: know. they like I think they like resistance. I, I change the word stress to resistance. Mm-hmm. So the body only gets stronger through meeting resistance. In, in terms of, you know, lifting up a weight or doing a push-up or something like that. But and so that's how your physical health can improve and, and create resilience and whatnot. But our mental health is the same. That's what we we're talking about, comfort zone. Our, our mind needs to come into contact with resistance as well and then push through it or use it to strengthen our minds.
0: Yeah. I would still use the word stress because I think that there's two types of stress. I think they call it, there's you stress which is like EU stress and chronic stress. And so you stress
1: like sheep, sheep stress yeah. <laughs> Chr- chronic the drug stress. The, so
0: the, New, the, the New Zealanders have all sorts of you stress <laughs> when they escape the field. <laughs> um, so, so you stress is like, so I like- out
1: to our Kiwi listeners across the ditch by the way.
0: Yeah. Sure. Whatever the hell, the hell you say that. I don't know. I've only learned that word since we've had New Zealand listeners. Um, sure, bro. Sure, bro. Um, so you stress is like me going to the gym, lifting weights for an hour. I've literally stressed my body and then the stress is over and I go home and I rest. And then that starts to repair in the system and grows back stronger. So healthy. And you can call that resistance. Same thing, but it's healthy, chronic stress, stress, Is when I'm my, my body's in a constant state of stress, and that's what happens a lot oh, with life. people with yeah anxiety, depression, PTSD, um, all of that kind of stuff. All of a, So also, like you said, if you have an unhealthy relationship with exercise and you overtrain, I know I've been there where I would go and train every day for hours. It's act, that's bad for your body because your body's not recovering, mm. right? Um, so this is a more of a chronic stress where, like you said, stuck in fight or flight, which is has really negative health outcomes. The longer we're in a chronic health state as opposed to a stress state or we can just call it a resistance state where we're giving ourselves time to rest and relax
1: so that resistance state it's being pushed or stretched a little bit which is which is healthy once again it's your body getting out of its comfort zone
0: yeah yeah i love it i love okay. it okay next one's uh next one, so that's exercise next one's diet um and that's diet and and I these, these are
1: that. all linked in too sorry to oh, they're, they're all they're all affect
0: each other Absolutely, and diet... Uh, nutrition of the mind and body and I like how you've put those mm, both yes. there because yes. a lot of people get caught up like you know well, what we physically put in our bodies food wise um, will have a big effect on our mental and emotional health you know like the, the food that we eat in large part makes up the cells which make up who we are as a human being so you know but what we goes- also have our
1: gut health and our immune systems in our gut health and all that sort of stuff so
0: all of that stuff so it all has, all has a, a massive effect like you know like if you have a um because um, there's there's networks where the the brain is speaking to the heart, speaking to the gut, and we used to think yeah. science used to think it was just the brain giving instructions to these parts of our body, but it's a two way system, and our body's giving messages back to the brain. And with our gut, there's actually more signals going from the gut to the brain than the brain to the gut. And you know, if you have something like a candida overgrowth, so candida is a certain type of uh, uh, parasite or bacteria. bacteria. Yeah, and so it it feeds on simple sugars. That's how it stays alive and grows. So if you have a candida overgrowth, it'll... That candida will send signals and messages up to the brain to make you crave, you know, a sugary soft drink or lollies mm. or chocolate. So it's like, who who's making the decisions here? <laughs> it's like you, my, my my gut microbiome is making some decisions for me at the end of the day. So very very important. One and point-
1: and that that challenges that first one of wants versus needs. All of a sudden, you're going for what you want instead of what you need. But you're not in an empowered position where you can meet your own needs because. Your, your your ecosystem, your biosystem system is out of out of whack. So then you're just going to go into your cravings and your, your wants.
0: And this also because we're so identified with the the I or the voice in our head that when it says, "Oh, I want that bag yeah. of lollies." It's like, well, I want oh, it, but it's like, it's like, you don't. Your candida yeah. overgrowth is telling yeah. you that you want it and, and sending that message. So it's, it's, it's a funny system. But um, that's kind of the food that's going into our body. And, you know, we're talking, uh, I always think everyone's different biochemically, but just whole foods are great. You know, whether you want to be, you know, more plant-based or you're into meat or whatever, just I think whole foods is the way to go. Like something that's- And the, if you, the less it, processed. Yeah, like how, how, many, how many stages are there? There between what you're eating and the original product. You know, and and if you and if you're and if you're more than more than two or one or two, it's like I think I'm getting a little bit away from what this naturally is in the wild. Yes.
1: A deep fried Mars bar is a few few stages away from the original. There's none of those
0: walking around. I can imagine a deep fried Mars bar with legs like getting around (laughs) a desert somewhere. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but you're right. It's, um, yeah, the, uh, as I've put there, the diet, nutrition of mind and body. So a lot of time and energy is, is spent and focused on on what we're consuming physically. But in, even in that, there's a bit of a trap because people are going, oh, I'm eating really healthy. But a lot of people don't eat to their body's nutritional needs. Mm. Um, so a lot of women I've worked in the past are actually under-consuming. They're like, I'm eating really healthy. I'm like, no, you're eating Cleaner calories, but yeah, and I, I'm I'm not a nutritionist. I don't even dare try and step in that space. But I, I think I'm I can reflect these to them. Um, so you're eating a cleaner calorie, but you're still not. You know, your body might need eighteen hundred calories a day just to keep all the systems running properly, and you're eating in a you know, thousand calories a day. You're in an eight hundred calorie deficit. It's just going to be stripping muscle mass, which is actually going to be having an adverse effect. So it's, it's about doing it smart, doing it educated, doing it according to not what you think or not what a nutritionist thinks, but what does your body actually require? So yeah. Don't use that as a starting point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My good friend, Holly Sinclair, who I who is a wizard with all this stuff. And I know that so many, like the vast, vast majority, because she's in women's health, although well, she does work with men and work with myself in the past, but the vast majority of women are just under eating and they can be mm-hmm. healthy and in the fitness industry and eating, you know, the right things, but they're just not eating enough. And, and that's when the body starts to catabolize, when, the, when it starts to actually eat away at itself, like you said, it the muscle and the tissue, yeah, and all that stuff. And, and, and there's this negative connotation that, you know, well, if I eat more, I'm going to put on all this weight. But oftentimes that's just not the case because, because no. we're, calorie restriction ramps down the metabolism so much that it gets very, very low. And if we ramp it up, our metabolism can ramp up as well. So we actually won't um, put on a weight a lot of the time if we're still eating the right but- things
1: and also because it's taking what reducing muscle mass it'll reduce the bone density as well which opens women up and this is a big thing to osteoporosis and arthritis and all that sort of stuff so um just because you're chasing a certain image you're actually gonna create a lot of underlying issues so don't don't go for the image go for the health and and that's where we need to look at what we're consuming mentally as well—is how much time you're sitting in front of Netflix or Facebook, or you know what podcasts you're listening to. You're just watching jackass all day, or actually, actually coming into information that is healthy for your mind. But it's also finding a balance. So nothing wrong with a bit of jackass, but as long as it's balanced out, you know jackass is junk food for the sake of this, and then a bit of a woke blokes podcast, which could be some. Iceberg lettuce, you know, it's 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 just that that balancing it all out because well, you not know you if we're too- iceberg
0: lettuce, Nick. Like,
1: I'm, I'm- no, I just had some iceberg lettuce the other day, and it was <laughs> delicious. So that <laughs> was a bit of a bit of a bit of a uh, throwback to the '80s there. But um, it's uh, yeah, because a lot of people go too far into the researching, the studying, and the the consuming what they think is healthy content, but they're not actually either a putting into practice in real life or getting that real life experience. It just it's all it's all too conscious, it's all too yeah. in their heads.
0: And also don't hang out with jackasses. Look at your social circle. you know that's a diet as well. well every, everything that's coming into our consciousness is part of our diet. You know, so think if I'm, you know, my social media feed is junk food. If what I'm watching on Netflix is junk food, if my toxic friends I'm hanging out with are junk food, and then you know I'm 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 eating healthy, then I'm still going to have these negative effects when it comes to my mental and emotional stability because these other areas of my life that I wouldn't consider as my diet um, aren't really in line with with being healthy. And you know, we don't have to be dogmatic about it. It's just like well, how how balanced am I? You know, and that's why I try and use okay. that. I try and use the 80-20 rule for eating, which means yeah, that I'll, eat, I'll totally. eat, you know, yeah, 80% of the time, you know, really, you know, whole foods and that and 20% of the time just go for it with no, you know, guilt or anything. And that's, that's sustainable for me and a lot of people. It's great. And then yeah. that can also be the case for what you're watching on, on Netflix or social media or that kind of jazz. Just try and make sure you've got a nice, a nice balance of the right stuff going in.
1: And that's the, that's the percentage we use for constructive and destructive thinking. Most people come in 20% um, mindfully responding to stimulus and events and and 80% just being triggered and reactive. So that's where through the programs we have to try and flip that percentage around. So 80% you know, mindfully choosing, but you're still human. You can have normal human reactions and whatever. So um, it's one of that healthy balance again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that ties into the next stop point is mental training. So we talked Ooh. about exercise and physical training, but, you know, we want to be doing some mental training as well. And and that can take many forms. Nick's, you know, copyrighted, favourite term, mental reps. Well, for those not watching on YouTube, Nick's doing push-ups. He's doing some mental training. This is, I'm inside my brain right
1: now, just pushing through. I can keep going.
0: I can keep going. <laughs> Nick's going to be puffed out for the rest of the episode now. No,
1: I'm not. Don't jump to a conclusion. See, it's when it's a destructive thinking. That said more about you than it said
0: about me. No, I'll try to hang crap on you. That makes me happy.
1: Yeah, I know, but it doesn't work, Hass. It doesn't work
0: on this. That's why I keep trying. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, mental, mental training. Mental training, yes, can take um, many forms. People can use meditation as a mental training. We can use mental oh, training, and I'm, I'm sure Nick, you'll want to talk about this, is is just becoming very aware and noticing when our mind is going down destructive paths as opposed to constructive paths.
1: Well, that's what the the Vipassana training, the 10 days of silent meditating in stillness um, in the same position. That's the meditation that we um, work with here with all our clients. And we just advise people to for even 15 minutes a day, just start the morning sitting um, in your body and just not not allowing that restless, mindless action because it sort of grounds you and puts you in a good state. So, um, But it comes back to that the mind needs to encounter resistance in order to get stronger. So when you sit there and you can observe the sensation, and that's all it is, um, that this is uncomfortable. I want to move my leg or I want to itch my nose and you resist the temptation to do that when you're doing it on that deep level, then all of a sudden you start doing it out here and then you can resist temptation over the next Tim Tam or to have the next beer or whatever.
0: Yeah. Or when your, you know, your partner or someone says something that you don't like and you can feel that anger rising in you. And when it's an, normally an automatic reaction just to try and hurt them with words, you can sort of say, okay, I'm going to be with this anger. This is like a mental slash emotional training.
1: Oh, Or oh, oh, I'm, oh, I'm not going to take this personally. It doesn't mean that this person doesn't love me anymore. It just means that they're in suffering and hurt people, hurt people. So you can stay conscious. You can stay present in between that stimulus and then choosing what you, how you're going to respond. So what that person actually needs, and this is needs versus wants again, what they need is to check in, hey, this is a bit out of character for you. Are you okay? Or, hey, you sounds like you're actually trying to pick a fight or hurt me with this. You know, is that is that what you're after? And that leads to a very different outcome. Instead of you getting heightened trigger and triggering, fuck you as well, and the whole thing burns
0: down. And that's where the training comes in because like that, like an argument with a partner is like the – the big, the big heavy deadlift. That's one of the hardest times if you haven't trained to be able to be present, you know, in that moment. Because you know we really want to defend ourselves in those moments. But if you do this training and you can um, be able to tolerate more of these either thoughts or emotional reactions, then you can get to a point where even in an argument in a relationship, you can still remain present. And because um, what happens in a relationship? someone gets emotionally triggered and they just try and, like like you said, hurt people, hurt people. They're trying to project the hurt. Then this person feels hurt and and it's like a tennis match of projecting the hurt and it gets to a point where, you know, you're pulling up things that happened years ago. You're pulling up all this other shit that went on and it ends up, it could have been over the most trivial thing, but you can stop that tennis match very, very early on and put your racket and ball down if you do this mental training and actually come to a place where you connect deeper with your partner as opposed to feeling further apart.
1: Or you can um, mindfully and consciously respect that um, you may need some space in that moment instead. One person may need just to go and to, you know, go for a quick walk around the block or whatever to bring themselves out of that heightened state uh, and then come back to the discussion later on. You don't have to, you know, go deep right then and then in the moment. You can give things time to simmer down a bit. So, But, yeah, just being present to make that decision takes training because it's not human nature it's not human nature at all
0: Um, next uh, next top point is healing trauma so healing trauma is um very very important when we're talking about mental and emotional stability um people that have been through trauma tend to have to be stuck in fight flight or freeze to a certain extent uh in certain areas of their life and this doesn't just mean Big acute traumas, you know, like um, people tend to think of the word trauma and think, okay, sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, car crash, um, veterans coming back from war, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, these can be just these undigested life experiences that we are, uh, or unneed mets when we were younger that we're trying to overcompensate for and that kind of thing. Un- unmet needs? Yep.
1: I think you said unneed mets. Did I?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I just meant, wanted to I, clarify.
0: And I, he I, thought I had a new term that I'd come up with. Especially. I did. I did. I was, I was intrigued. <laughs> I was like, oh, what's this? I'm Net Meads. And I could do that because I was
1: listening actively to you, Ryan.
0: Were. I was engaged. In what you were. To. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have these stored impressions. I love how the Hindus have a word called samskara, which is a mental and emotional impression that is left on us, which is basically an undigested life experience that we hold inside. You know, so many things come into our consciousness throughout a day, and so much of it we just let come in and move through us. But there's there's certain things that happen, and these big things that can happen when we're younger and we're kids that we weren't able to process and let all the way in because they were too painful, and we store those. And then these start. Start to play out in patterns later in life whether it be in relationships or with friends or work or we run into issues with anxiety depression other mental illness and um, going back and doing that deeper healing work is is often necessary for some people otherwise we keep running into the same uh, mental and emotional patterns
1: and it doesn't need to be super uncomfortable it can be some people have a deep cathartic ab reaction emotional release and and all of the you know, I had, that was, that was my experience. For me, me a few too. different traumas. Um, but some people I've worked with just sort of go, Ping, and they're like, oh, oh, and it's just this shift. And all of a sudden that's all I needed. It was like a, going to the chiropractor and just like, kick and yeah. just, you know, giving a crack where other people need to go and have surgery. So, um, yeah, trauma. Yeah, I love the way that you you put it and that, that Hindu, you um, philosophy about it. And uh, trauma could be, we've found tiny little what I call emotional splinters where um, a very vulnerable child will hear their mum say to them, geez, you're an idiot. And it's just that one little thing in a moment where they're super vulnerable because they're just looking to their parent for emotional support or whatever. uh, And they get the opposite. And that splinter will find its way in. And that adult will grow up. It'll be like the pee under the mattress, you know, in the uh, sleeping beauty. And they'll grow up and they'll be having a job and they'll be in a relationship and they'll be this and that and the other thing. But just deep, 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 deep. They won't feel worthy of it all or they won't feel Mm -hmm. they deserve it or or they'll question whether they should have it or not. And it's all because of, geez, you're an idiot.
0: Yeah. And And then someone, you know, uh, maybe they, they presented a report at work and their superior said, oh, you didn't quite do this right. And all of a sudden that part of them comes, comes. to the surface and it's like massive emotional reaction. And then we're like, what? why am I so reactive to this one little thing? And it's because that little yeah. person that was told they were an idiot when they were vulnerable has become very active. And this is what trauma is. Are these Traumas are held in the body and they're these relics of the past you know, so the past gets activated with things that happen now. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, you know, oftentimes if we find ourselves in the positions where we're not feeling worthy or good enough and, you know, we need to start looking at some of these experiences that we had that we weren't able to digest because we can, the, the good news is, which is fantastic. We can go back as, as big adults and we can process a lot of these experiences when we were more vulnerable kids.
1: Well, it's just like we're babushka dolls. You know, there's all these different versions of it. So people say humans are like onions. We all have many layers or however you want to describe it. But, yeah. So the adult version is trying to hold down a job or a relationship, but the 12 or the 8 or the 5-year-old version of them, they got told that they're a fucking moron. Um they're the one that's putting on the emotional handbrake and that's the that's the one that us therapists need to find and then go and work with. And I often say to the others, oh, no, you're fine. I don't need to work with you. Where's your five-year-old? Let's do some work with them.
0: And and life will show us where, where these parts are still active. And, like if you use you know so when you get in an argument with a partner and you say like oh will you be you're acting like such a kid it's like yeah we're actually yeah. being a kid in that moment because <laughs> if well, let's use the example stuff. of that person with the splinter who was told they're an idiot yeah. if they're in an argument 30 years later and their partner says oh you're such an idiot then then bang they're, they're back at that trauma um totally. relieving it reliving it
1: but those three amigos, I must get what I want, must be loved, must be perfect. You can hear how childlike they are in their nature. Yeah. You think of a child at the supermarket. I want that toy. No, I'm not getting it. You don't love me anymore. Mm, hang on. That's a, that's a bit of a leap. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do love you. I love you enough to keep you know, terrible sugar out of your system. Oh, well, I'm not getting what I want and my life's not perfect. So you can hear, you know, it sounds
0: like a five-year-old operating on those three amigos. Yeah, it's the uh, adult. We're in the adult suits with this little... Adult tantrum. Inside. Having an adult tantrum. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um,
1: but it, comes back, <laughs> it comes back to that mental training, though, of, of learning, of doing the work, as you and I call it, uh, to put us in a position where the adult can have an emotional reaction that's in proportion to what they're experiencing. And that's so crucial. It's so key in you know emotional intelligence and that... Um, relationship management is, is sort of the fourth um, sector of that of EQ. But it's, it's that, yeah, all right, what, what's happened here? Someone's just called me an idiot. All right, I can, if, if I fly off the handle and, and go into a meltdown and cry my eyes out, then, then that's a clear red flag or signal there's some unhealed you know, stuff going on there because the, the adults didn't stay present yeah. in that moment. The child went, Oh, oh, hang on,
0: that that sounds familiar. Yep, that's right. Yes, I've heard that before. Oh. Yeah, this this um once again leads back to us the comfort zones, the first point, doesn't it? Because we can live life one of two ways. We can live life whenever something, you know, triggers or disturbs us inside, we can go in and go, Wow, I had such a big emotional reaction to that. Maybe I need to look or investigate as to where that comes from. But most people, they get that disturbance and they just want the external thing that made them they think made them that way stop and so we go through life just trying to avoid situations that will touch our wounds and then once again this makes our world smaller and smaller and smaller um, so we've got to start to look at this look at life through a lens where where can i grow as opposed to where can i make the external world change to make me more comfortable because that's going to lead to a, an isolated life
1: yeah we call that outsourcing happiness giving the key to happiness to other people i need x y z in order to be happy and that's, that's a very disempowering, roller coaster way of living where if I've got A, B and C in place. And like has did earlier, I am grounded. I, I am exactly, I am enough for this. You know, you've got that internal A, B and C in place to, to then just move through whatever life puts before
0: you. Bloody oath. All right. Plus, ocean, we've already covered meditation. We've got environment, yeah. environment and social connection. We can probably put those two together. Um, environment is is very, very important. We need to do sometimes a bit of an audit on our, on our physical environment because you know, oftentimes and Nick, you tell me if you see the same thing, but it's like sometimes clients will come in and we'll do some work you know maybe some some chatting some might do some deeper healing work and and someone will feel really really nice they'll feel really fantastic and everything afterwards but if they're in a toxic environment it's like a a fish in a toxic fishbowl and it's like you're taking the fish out of the fishbowl and they'll come and do a therapy session and feel fantastic but if they go back in that toxic fishbowl they're going to start to feel toxic again so we sometimes need to understand our, our, our environment and for me especially working with you know a lot of drug addicts and that kind of thing um it's it's having that hard discussion where it's like we can sit here and do a lot of healing work and i can get you in probably a better mental and emotional place but if you're in this environment the chances of you actually getting off drugs are very very small so you know we have to audit our environment sometimes it doesn't have to be something as drastic as drug addiction but even just this mental and emotional stability like what is my environment like who are the people around me what is my space like
1: Go, go back to the garden, you know, the internal garden that we talk about and if there's a, a plant, a belief in there that I am a good person but it's in really shitty soil, it's been, you know, an oil drum has tipped over on it and just ruined it. It's, it's, it's not going to grow. It's not going to really thrive. It's not going to, you know, be amazing as it could be. So we do need to, to look at the people we are with and look at the, the work that we're in, you know, it can be soul destroying. There's so many energy vampires out there. Um if if you're doing things just for from a place of ego, that's that's gonna be really unhealthy as well. So all these things that you said and, and yeah, we do need to order, step back and order and have a look objectively at what's going on. And we don't need to judge our friends or our family. We don't need to go, well, you're the toxic one or anything like that. It's just it's just an awareness, a consciousness, a mindfulness of it. And When I'm with these people, I don't feel so great. So I'm not a tree. I can actually move. I can change my environments, and, and it's okay to do that because if we don't, yeah, we, we keep doing the work and I, it's like going to the gym and then going home and just eating KFC all week and watching Netflix. It's nothing much is going to change, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially if there are things like work, we spend such a you know, vast majority of our life at work and so many people are just doing shit that they don't want to be doing. And and I'm not hmm. telling people, you know, go out and leave your job now. Like, especially now is a, a touchy time because a lot of people works up in the air, COVID's throwing a lot of things, um, throw a lot of us a curveball and that kind of thing. But there's so many people that I speak to and as humans, we seem to be very addicted to security and the familiar Mm. you know and it's like Mm. people people get you know it's called the the golden handcuffs i love that term where where we're getting a nice little paycheck but we're doing something we don't want to do so we're able where we can buy the nice car and we can get the nice house but we're in golden handcuffs because we're addicted to that paycheck and what happens we spend eight or nine ten hours a day doing something that isn't feeding our heart and our soul and then we go home, and we just want to try and forget about it and escape it. And that's when we might—that's you know,
1: the comfort zone again. That's yeah. the comfort zone that we spoke about earlier.
0: Yeah, and so, so people get scared of that. And it's like you know, you a lot of the times, if you really check in and speak to the right people and work out, hey, I'm going to leave this job, and maybe I go somewhere else where I don't earn as much. But my God, I'm so much happier doing it. Um, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Like, what are we trying to make? More money for, because we want to feel okay, <laughs> you know. Because the the more toxic work is, then the more at home we're going to try and escape the toxicity. So we'll drink, we'll eat junk food, we'll escape, uh, cause we're Cause so to, because we're just yeah, so worried. Because it'll cost money. So <laughs> Gold, it's self perpetuating handcuffs. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's 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 uh, I'm in suffering at work, so I'm going to go home and find something to end my suffering. I'm not going to do the work. I'm not going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to go actually into my comfort zone even more and find my coping mechanisms. Oh, chocolate, alcohol, drugs, yeah. Facebook, blah, blah. But there are, there are some... Oh, firstly, I'm I'm so proud of Emma, my partner, because she had the golden handcuffs and she broke them and wow. she was in a job that was really well-paying and she can sort of tick over. Um, and she left and then they kept... Shucking more bait out there, and more bait, and ten grand, another ten grand, another ten grand. All right, now you sort of basically can't launch. You just don't even fucking turn up. Just work from home, and just just sort of be this person, and he will throw all this money at you. And they tempted and tempted and tempted her, and kept dangling his carrot. She just went no. She stayed true to her path, um, amazing, and her and her course. And you know it was so difficult. For her to do that, but and it was difficult for me watching it because she was in this.
0: Oh, should I, shouldn't I? But ultimately, because it's so attractive, you know, if yeah. you they keep throwing that carrot out there and it's like a human nature, like, oh god, another 10 grand, oh fuck, I can work from home,
1: right? But it takes so much. Imagine lot of- what I could do with that, and the imagination gets triggered, and you're like, oh, what could I do with that 10 grand? I could buy more stuff and I can have more possessions, I can the ego keeps so it's we like we, oh.
0: we lose track with that. The, the reason we decided to move in a different direction in the first place, you know? But we, something... shift,
1: out of our, we shift out of our soul and into our ego. Mm. So we're not feeding the soul anymore, we're feeding the ego. The, the ego could do with 10 more grand because it could buy more stuff and have a shinier car or a better facade than the next door neighbour or whatever. But the soul's just going,
0: what about me? Yeah, the, well, the, a function of the ego is nothing's ever enough. So yeah. it's like if even if she, she took the carrot and worked from home and all this more money, the ego would still be like, what else? What else? I've what more? got a million oh.
1: dollars now. I want a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the definition of happiness is to be content, but if we're coming from ego, there's never enough. So always in the sense of deficiency, in the sense of attachment, of craving, I need more. So it's, it's just the jump on that roundabout and
0: <laughs> chasing rainbows. Chasing your tail, you are, you are. All right, everyone. We'll wrap it up there. Nico, you got to head into the city, and I'm, I'm really hungry. Yes,
1: I'm going. I'm up for some ramen tonight.
0: Enjoy, yeah. mate. Just in, yeah. Really enjoy it. Hey,
1: when you get back, you and I,
0: golf and ramen. Golf and ramen. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm man. very, very excited about both of those things.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm excited about all three of those things. This just in the third one being you being back
0: here, where I could give you a big man hug and hang out
1: with you in person. I know. Give you know. your energy.
0: I don't even know when I'm coming back, mate. Like, who knows? Who knows? Hopefully, what, what month is it? As we record this, it's near, near the end of Jan. Yeah, I'm hoping March. I'm hoping to be back by my okay. birthday. Look,
1: I'm not attached to a desired outcome. I'm just going yeah, to be right. whatever
0: it needs to be. yeah.
1: But uh, I'm still cool. allowed to look forward to
0: it. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, mine awesome. too. All well, right, listeners, uh, I hope you took something out of that. That is a, just a list of some things that we can do to start to weed that garden for our mental and emotional health. There's nothing wrong with you as you are, but if you want to start to look at these things, then bloody go for it. Totally up to you. And, and um, your comfort
1: zone and, and yeah. do the work, and she'll be right.
0: she'll be be right what a beautiful way to finish she'll be right mate we'll see you next week bye Bye. thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast please don't forget to subscribe to the show also leave us a five star rating we thank you so much and we'll see you all next time